Oh my gosh. So I want to welcome everybody to Empower by Cody.ai. Um, <clears throat> long time coming right here. I mean, spent some time since me and my man, Corey, have been feeling like this in a while. Yeah. I think so, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so I, want to, um, I want to do a couple updates. As usual, if you guys want to find us, please go to at 55B Labs on Instagram. Go to if you want to sign up for our beta group, please go to www.cody.ai. Um, <laughs> I'm not the one of gang signs. Just I'm far from gangster. I'm a techie. <laughs> this is gonna be like this today. That's what we're gonna be doing. Uh, I, I feel it's gonna be like that today. A lot of people don't know this type of relationship right here, so y'all gonna hear a lot of stuff today. So I'm happy. Um, to have, you know, Corey on the show. Um, it's a blessing to be here, be doing this right now in front of you fine individuals. Um, and so again, go to www.cody.ai. Uh, we're actually going to be coming out with some announcements this week as well um, for our event in August called AI in Africa. Don't forget as well, the book in October called Untangle Your Mind, The Scientific Approach to Entrepreneurship. Uh, that one's actually going to be pretty fun packed as well. Untangle your mind. Always <laughs> <laughs> oh, talking about the mind. Um, so, yes, I, I like I said, um, this is a very, very special episode for me. Um, I'm, I'm, it's an honor. I remember when I first got out here in San Francisco and... You know, I went by Corey's house and stayed there for about a week, right? I don't know. It was we, like it was like we a week. It was like five days. Good and, period of time, yeah. And you know, we went on a run. We did a whole bunch of stuff. Was walking around and uh, it was dope, man. I knew after that, like I was like, yo, I'm out here. I just feel like it yeah. just was pulling me, you know. Yeah, you was always relentless. That's how I knew, you know, person that's very good with words. So. <laughs> <laughs> Look at how all these things manifest, you know. Like I got, I got like a an exposed brick type of podcasty feel right now. Yeah, you know, and it's like this is if you want something, you can manifest it. Yeah, you gotta create it. You gotta you create know, the, it. The the future isn't tomorrow; it's today, right? Mm. So you gotta self project and actually do what it takes to to have that future that you want. So. Mm. So, yeah, I'm so sure we're gonna talk more about that. Uh, too. Exactly, and we're yeah. gonna get we're gonna get all into that. So um, let's go by the book. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. Give us a little bit, you know, of an introduction on yourself. Yeah. So, um, Corey, um, I'm originally from the East Coast. Uh, I was born actually in New York. Um, I actually don't claim New York because I didn't grow up there. I was there only the first year of my life, and then my mother moved down south. Um, because back then, in the 80s, uh, the crack epidemic was really hitting uh, all the major cities hard. Um, wow. So we moved down south, um, uh, so lived in Kinston, North Carolina, uh, until I was about four years old. And then we moved to an another small town called Goldsboro. And I pretty much grew grew up there uh, in Goldsboro. Uh, later on, went to, to UNC. And, you know, to kind of take a rewind, one of the things that I always have to to, to praise my mother for it because she had that vision mm. uh, back back in 96, uh, back when computers and were becoming more uh, popular, particularly that the, the household uh, desktop computers. Yeah. And she bought us a desktop uh, computer, me and my uh, late brother, and that was actually my first, I would actually call my first step into tech. 
Um, you know, remember back when AOL was really popular, <laughs> you would get a million CDs, one minute they'd give you like 250 was, hours for free, and all you had to do was like create a new account. That was crazy. I remember when Oprah created her oh, own page. Oh my um, gosh, so, I remember those days. So I actually see a lot of parallels between wow. like AOL and Facebook, which is a whole nother story, but um, yeah, so I, I, I would say like uh, when, I was, when I was younger, um, you know, Napster was very popular, so I started downloading music. And uh, one of my older cousins, you know, I would make him so many CDs, he would give them away. And I found that he would give them away. I said, you know what, I'm going to start charging people for it. Yeah. And that's when I would, I would actually say I started to become like a quote-unquote entrepreneur. entrepreneur. Yeah. Um, and I actually started my first bank account from the CD sales that I made, just from customizing the CDs. And I learned a lot about, you know, sales. What, what, age, was, what age was that? Cost of goods sold. Uh, shoot, I was a teenager. I mean, no, preteen. Preteen. Like 10? Probably about 10, probably about 10 or 11. Wow. And when I say I learned about cost of goods sold and sales, these are, I knew, I knew I had to put up money to buy these CDs, mm. right? I knew I had to put in work to, mm. to, 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 uh, download the song. You had to put in effort. I had to put in effort. Yeah. But I didn't know what cost of goods sold until I went to college later on. And I was like, oh, I know what marginal rate of, uh, marginal rate of substitution is or, marginal rate of cost or whatever it is, mm, right? Mm. I knew it before I even knew the word for it. Wow. Um, so, yeah, you know, I, I went to, uh, originally when I was in high school, um, I actually didn't plan on going to college. Uh, but when I was 18, my brother passed. Um, oh, wow. That was one of the, I would say, the hardest thing probably in my life. Um, but one of the good thing, one of the quote-unquote good things about it is that it actually did make me more emotionally intelligent yeah. And actually a lot more uh, comfortable with being uncomfortable, right? And I think that's very important when you're, uh, if you're in, a, in tech or entrepreneur or yeah. if you're just through life, you know, most of the time you're going to be uncomfortable. And until you can get really comfortable yeah. with that uncomfortableness, which you really... Uncomfortableness. Wait. Which you really, which you never really truly do, but... You just get to a point where you're like, okay, this is just a period of time. Well, you I'm get to, well, 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 I mean, you think about it, right? You get to a point in which you have to continue to sharpen yourself. Right. And what, what happens is people, they create their world that's so comfortable to the point where it's like so squishy. Mm-hmm. And, and I always say, I, I've told you this before, you have to be the fool, almost. You have to be like trying to be curious all the time and always ask the dumb questions. Right. Because those are the people that get picked on, but those yeah. are the people that, that move the world. Yeah, I mean, you look at uh, the first people who got in crypto, right? Like, there we go. How did you get in crypto? So when I was uh, at UNC, um, I had just start, I had started my first uh, tech company. It was basically called Blinkness, which helped mm-hmm. college students find an easy professor. Um, and my co-founder, uh, Zab Faruke, he had just came back to college, and uh, he was a part of the third class of Y Combinator. So he would tell me all these wild stories about, man, I knew a guy who was riding on a plane, and he met his investor, and the investor wrote him a check. And, you know, I'm from a small town, you know what I'm wow. saying? So talking about somebody who wrote a million-dollar check for someone after meeting him on a plane, it's just like, that's <laughs> not realistic in my world. So I used to think that all these stories he would tell me were uh, were not true, because I, I just couldn't really fathom them. So, yeah, so I, I started my first company with him, and I'm major in economics. So, uh, one of the, when I first heard about uh, Bitcoin, I was on uh, uh, Hacker News, and I saw it pop up, and, you know, it said something like, probably, like, internet money or whatever. Yeah. And I had just learned about 
the IMF, International Monetary Fund, who pretty much controls the global policy of the world. Um, they pretty much dictate what other countries do. Um, you know, the Federal Reserve. Oh, the Federal Reserve, they go to the IMF? Yeah, so the IMF, think of the IMF as the central bank for the world. Wow. So the Federal Reserve is the central bank for the U.S. U.S. Yeah, and the the Federal Reserve, so the IMF actually loans money. It has its its quote-unquote own money. Is it higher than the Federal Reserve? Because it, it is, because it holds the. It holds they the, probably have uh, probably have more assets, but they, they have their own money. But it's not necessarily uh, actual currency. It's a basket okay. of currencies of the top producing countries, Got it. quote unquote. But most of them are European. Um, so yeah, so IMF loans different countries money or whatever. Um, so I learned about the IMF. I learned about the uh, Federal Reserve, and then all of a sudden I'm. I'm hearing about Bitcoin, I'm like, Bitcoin, like, it's going to upend this whole thing, and mind you, I'm like 19 or 20 at the time, and I'm just learning about all this, I'm like, who's going to beat this 100-year-old plus organization who's been running our monetary system, so I actually thought it was a joke, Um, and I actually didn't read the Bitcoin white paper until two years ago, Um, but I stayed, I stayed abreast in it, it. Um, just you know, just kept following it because again, it was it, to me. I was attracted to it because I was already in tech and in the economic piece behind yeah. it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much. I was I was just uh, I guess was, I was eager for knowledge, effectively, yeah. right? Just finding to, out. Yeah, yeah. you you were yeah. just like you know you wanted to know what was out there in the world, and especially if a person saying. Oh, we're writing hundred dollars, you know, hundred million, whatever million dollar checks. One million dollar checks. One million yeah. dollar checks. That makes it just all that much more comfortable. So, what I want to get into next is so, right now, I know you're working, you're doing a lot, um, right? So, what was the first company that you were focused on in blockchain? Like, so what was that? What was that company? Yeah, so... Um, you want to tell everybody? Yeah, so uh, I was... This is back in 2017, and I, I pretty much have watched both the the um, the booms and busts or whatever that have been happening in the crypto. Um, so my friends would call me up. This is back in, like, 2014. They're like, hey, Corey, blah, blah, blah. You know, should I buy Bitcoin? And from you being taught in school, you know, you never buy high. Uh, one of my favorite quotes from Warren Buffett is, uh, you you sell into greed and you buy into fear, mm, right? Mm, so when my buddies started calling me saying, "Hey, should I buy this?" I'm like, I didn't really know much, but I I knew enough to say, you know, because at the end of the day, it's all about you know, it, it comes down to economics or investing and stuff like that at a at a at a small scale, right? So I understood I'm like this is not a bad time, and then the pipes weren't really built out. The infrastructure for Bitcoin back then wasn't built out. Like you would literally have to uh, submit a money order to a bank. In the West Indies, or overseas, to buy crypto. Wow! It, it wasn't like how it is now, where you can pretty much buy crypto over your phone. Um, the infrastructure was wasn't fully built out yet. So back in 2017, the boom happened again. ICO started popping up. Uh, so I just basically delved right back into the industry, and I would actually say 2017 was the year when I what I would actually call, uh, or when I actually went through a real deep crypto phase, where I would read a ton of white papers, just understanding the tech technicality behind it mm. um and you know the the thing that i had that was in my favor again i had a, a strong economics background so a lot of the technical stuff i didn't really understand i understood enough because i had started companies but you know i hadn't built i'm not the person that's going to build an app i'm more the person that's really good at community building marketing um, but when you work in tech you need to be able to at least speak to 
yeah. or understand uh, the tech, tech uh, the technology, technology behind yeah. it. So, um, well, I was going to these different meetups. I ended up moving to San Francisco, where I live now. I've been here for three years. And one of the things I noticed in the crypto industry is that there wasn't that many people of color, uh, oh. you know, in the space. I was usually like one or a few only black guys in the room yeah. or people just period. Um, so I created a, uh, a, a meetup group or called Blackchain. Um, and the idea was basically we took blockchain and we just took the O and turned it into an A. And part of the goal of Blackchain was to, the deeper, at a deeper level, yeah. Oh, at a deeper yeah. level is basically to um, I wanted to redefine what black means, right? So usually when people hear the color black, if you look in the dictionary, it means bad. Uh, I mean, just go watch Malcolm X's movie. He has a whole <laughs> scene in there where he talks about, um, you know, basically when you look at black, it seems bad, right? You in, in, in certain colors they they're respected more, well, but when you look at the origin of man or human, right? It, it, the man or people came from Africa. Right. So black, when you look at the color black, it's just not one color you're looking at. You're looking at a combination of all colors. Um, so I have on a blue shirt, right? Baby blue. But this is basically a variant of black because when you put them all together, it's black. And the goal so of so, so the goal of black chain was basically to oh, okay. create a collaborative environment okay. where people, irrespective to what school of thought you came from in regards to whether you felt Bitcoin was going to take over the world, Ethereum was going to take over the world. Let's all like sit in a room, talk. And just be uh, give constructive criticism on these different use cases and different blockchains, and on top of that, obviously make it welcoming for everyone to be a part of that conversation. Um, so that was the the, the goal of a blockchain that I started. Um, was, was it like um, so with with that going on? Do you see like a big influx in your space about around? blockchain after that like did you yeah but because I'm, it seems like it was like an awareness kind of it was a company but it was also like an impact that was definitely tied to it when it came right. to the meaning of it so like yeah. what like what is like what is that like you know like what what did you see in the valley with that yeah so the the the, the problem that uh and the part of the reason why i pretty much got frustrated and still somewhat frustrated with the, the blockchain industry but um most of the people who were going to these meetups or just, just crypto meetups, period, they weren't really interested in the technology. And I actually started a Slack group, and a lot of questions we would get um, were, you know, what token should I buy? And I'm like, look, number one, I'm not a financial advisor, and I'm, I'm, I'm not certified, so I'm not giving you financial advice. But what I would love to do is let's have a talk about the technicality, because you understand the technicality and the gaps in the technology and the infrastructure that needs to be um, built. Together. Put together, then that will inherently tell you your investment strategy. So that was like one of my one of my early frustrations. You know, I would talk to people and just like, you know, what should I buy? And I'm like, I'm, I'm not telling you. Like, I'm not going to tell you what you should buy. They try to get that out of you, right? They try to get that out of you. Yeah, they you think know. they know that you're you know you know more than them, and you're a safe bet. You know. Yeah, and then, and then if you make a bad investment, you can sue me, and um, and then you know what? You're just going to be practicing. You sue me. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. So, so all right. I mean, let's let's get back to this. So, you know, leading to that, talking about advice. <laughs> yeah. Um, what would <laughs> what would a person do to become a blockchain engineer? Um, so you think about it from a technical from a technical, technical perspective, standpoint. and maybe like uh, yeah, let's talk about a technical standpoint, and then 
Yeah, so before I, I answer from the technical standpoint, I think with if, if any anything you want to do, it's all about what I would call law of attraction. Um, mm. You know, creating that environment around yourself, putting that out to the ethos, asking God, talking to the universe, however you, whatever you call them, um, and saying what you want, and then actually having your actions uh, repeat that. Right? It's all about manifesting. Um, what what me and Mike was talking about off camera was, you know, uh, the future is not tomorrow; it's today. Mm. You know, there to me, there's no difference in the future, past, and present. Mm. Like Mark Twain even has the same way. He's like, you know, history uh, doesn't repeat itself in rhymes. Mm. Um, but there's no such thing as a future, past, and present. Like literally, it's the same thing. So whatever you're doing today, you're probably gonna be doing it tomorrow. Wow. I'm drinking red wine right now, and I'm probably gonna be doing that later too. Yeah. <laughs> right, but on, so, a, on a on a serious note, but wow. particularly if you look at like what. You know, how, so with blockchain, there's so many facets of it, right? So they, we talk about the trilemma problem, you know, you have, I, I may get them mixed up, but um, to be able to understand. What's, what's the trilemma? Tri, tri, uh, trilemma problem. So it's trilemma like, problem. it's what, like a triangle yeah. and basically you have economics, you have programming, and I think it's scalability or whatever. So it's like the. You know, how do you find that perfect mix? Or it may be security, because security is big, too. Maybe that's it. I think that's it. I think That's the trilemma problem? Tri yeah, economics. Economics. Economics, scalability. Scalability. Um, yeah, I, I, I mixed the next one. Hopefully, you can add that to the notes. But okay. um, there's so many facets of blockchain that a person should be able to understand. So you have a software engineer who usually most software engineers are good at writing code. Or if you're a UX designer, you're good at you know designing and user interfaces and stuff like that. To be a blockchain engineer, one thing you have to realize is that effectively, when you are creating these tokens, if they're uh, customer facing, you are creating a new economy, right? So you have to understand economics. You have to understand you know human psychology. Wow, um, it's like that. You know, scalability. Wow. There's just so, so many aspects of it. So, can you tell me, can you unpack that a little bit? I mean, yeah. Like, so, why do you have to know these so many different methodologies of these kind of like theor theoretical, yeah. theoretical spatial, you know, like geospatial? Because is that what? Is that what we're going to? Are we going? And, and I mean, me being in the AI space, of course, I see that. But with we think, I think I don't, I don't know if I, I don't know if it was you or my other friends. I say, you know, if you know, crypto is, or blockchain is like the chain, then AI is the electricity that, that follows that coil, like that's wrapped around that coil. The security is blockchain, right? The security yeah. is AI. Yeah. So I think is that is that where we're going? Um, so the thing about blockchain right now, AI and machine learning would actually break it um, just because from a scalability standpoint, transactions per second, um, blockchain just couldn't handle the Facebook of the world today or the Twitter of today. Um, it's, it just hasn't, um, the pipes, what I would call it, or the infrastructure haven't been built out, uh, been, haven't been sufficiently built out yet. Um, part of the reason why uh, back in 2017 when the price jumped up to 23,000 well it jumped up to 20,000 in the US 23,000 in South Korea I remember I was talking um, to you it would actually went higher but the infrastructure wasn't built out had the infrastructure been built out who knows it probably would have been 30, 40 or whatever wow um, yeah, Are you serious? yeah. It, it, 
and this is like purely speculation, but this is just assuming that the infrastructure would have been able to meet the demand. Wow. And that's how, you know, how, how much infrastructure needs to be built built out in the space. That's crazy. But, um, to be a blockchain engineer, yes, you, you, you totally have to understand. If, if you're a blockchain engineer or aspiring to be, you don't understand economics. If you don't understand simple supply and demand, um, if you haven't even read the Tulip story, um, you really need to understand economics and because at the heart, um, I wrote a, I wrote a, a four part series on hacker on hacker, um, hacker noon on hacker noon about tokenomics and how I would define tokenomics is basically the, uh, the use and creation of tokens with the goal of, uh, disincentivizing or modifying behaviors. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, we're all, anyone who's a blockchain engineer or, whatever, um, or token token economist, what I would call them, you're basically a behavioral scientist because you're trying to manipulate behavior. So if you don't understand simple psychology, then maybe you, you shouldn't be building a blockchain because that's effectively what you're doing because with these blockchains, wow. you're allocating resources. Actually, I think I missed the point. Yes, the allocation of tokens um, with the goal of incentivizing or, and or disincentivizing certain behavior. Right. So um, as a, a good example, uh, I'll talk about Ethereum. Right. So Ethereum, in order to use their blockchain, you have to own their token and you have to pay gas fees. Right. So, so what are gas fees? Uh, so gas fees is just like a you can you can almost make it akin to like a subscription fee. It's not a subscription fee, but in that, let's say you're, you're using uh, Mint.com or what's like a, your favorite app that you use that you pay for. Um, let's say LinkedIn, yeah. if you're a recruiter, right, you pay a monthly fee. So in order to use Ethereum's blockchain to execute smart contracts, you have to own Ethereum. And the gas fee is basically, you your know, transaction fee? your transaction fee for processing transactions. And they created that um, to to eliminate uh, what's called the, the tragedy of the commons, where when you have a public good or a public product like a park or whatever, People don't really take care of it, but the minute you put a price on it, people are like, "Oh, yeah, I need to make sure I, I, I mind what I do." Yeah. And you pretty much can you pretty much can see this with uh, uh, like events, right? So usually, and I, I know from personal experience, when I have a, a free event, uh, people tend not to stay the entire time. But the minute you ask them to pay, yeah. the higher the price, the longer they're gonna stick around. Yes, more people will show, uh, less people will show up, but. The people, people, show people, up. Yeah, people yeah. who show up. Yeah. So a part of a part of the reason why they, they, they instituted the you know the gas fee is to eliminate uh tragedy of the commons. Wow. Yeah. That, I mean he just so I mean Corey has been in this space a while and I always did was one of those people that kinda did the same exact thing. He would ask, you know, say, Hey, how do I what am I, what's the best thing to look at, you know? And, and that's sometimes what we do with our friendship and everyone's friendship when, because you have so many different people that are, that are experts yeah. in so many different ways. So yeah. if you hear a bunch of media about something, you immediately gravitate to the friends that are in that space and start to just listen and just shut up. Yeah. So I remember when we had several conversations when I was in New York and I was hearing about it on the East Coast. And he was like, hey, if you're going to buy, you got to do this, if you're going to do this. And I just was going crazy. And I'll never forget this. I felt like people in, in San Francisco, Silicon Valley was having a party and I was missing out. <laughs> they literally were, though. And they I mean, were. They, they, they literally were. The parties were very stupid because you have uh, young people um, who all of a sudden became millionaires overnight. 
And again, if you don't understand market economics, there's four business cycles, right? The good times will end. (laughs) (laughs) So a lot of these companies folded because they held on to their tokens too long. And they felt like Bitcoin was going to continue to go up. Um, And I think as we speak, it has gone up, but it's purely market manipulation. Really? Um, One of, of, uh, and I, I need to write about this, but well, tell me, the tell most me important, the most important metric I believe in in regards to judging whether a blockchain is is good or not is transactions used per second. So there's a big argument are are these different blockchains like I think um, I think it's uh, Stellar or like Neo. They say they can do ten thousand transactions per second. Which, is that, is that which, high? Which, yeah, relatively is high to the market, but. Are ten thousand uh, transactions per second actually being used? Mm. Mm. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. They're not being used. So why, why, why aren't those transactions? Be- is that because that that many people have that particular token? Uh, no, it goes a lot deeper than that. Um, most of the transactions that will happen in software will come from enterprise, right? Small businesses, the average consumer, they're not going to be the ones who are going to be "Quote unquote driving wide adoption." I feel like, like, wow. In in that, so the the thing that's happening now is that with with cryptocurrencies, these companies are trying to spoon uh, are trying to force feed it into adoption. You can't do that. Yeah. Um, I believe that most of the adoption of cryptocurrencies is going to become it's going to happen behind the scenes. Uh, so I didn't make this up, but uh, he's he he's the uh, he's the now CTO of Coinbase, and he did a, a really good video on. Um, how he saw the future of cryptocurrencies, or he touched on it. But basically, he says that the next wave of adoption uh, is going to come from machine to machine, mm. right? So you have smart devices, um, and I, I'll give you an example. So let's say you 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 uh, you go home um, and you like chicken and you like broccoli or whatever, right? Um, your refrigerator knows that because it's smart, and your smart refrigerator is connected to Amazon and your Prime account. Mm. So your refrigerator, your your refrigerator has its own native token, yeah, right. Um, and Amazon has its own token or whatever um, that's specific to your household to eliminate any type of thievery where someone can just come in and steal your tokens. Your token can only necessarily be used in this example by you and your household as a way to prevent people from stealing. So the minute you run out of broccoli and chicken, the um, your smart refrigerator pings. And pays Amazon and says, "Hey, we need more broccoli and and, and, and uh, yeah, and, and broccoli and chicken." Yeah, it pays it in a native token, whatever that is, and then and native and, token. Explain that to the uh, people that don't know what a native token. So is. I was, uh, so a native token is basically a token that's specific to your uh, environment. So as an example, right, the U.S. dollar is a native quote unquote native token of the U.S. Right, the euro is a native token of Europe. The British pound is a native token of the British, uh, the gov- uh, the UK. So yeah, so your refrigerator pays Amazon, boom, and then you, it comes in the mail, and then now you have your chicken. You didn't even know you ran out of chicken or broccoli, or maybe you did, but it happened automatically when you came back home off work. Um, so I see the, the 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 adoption or the proliferation of cryptocurrencies happening more behind the scenes, um, because I'm sure you all travel. Or have traveled. If you go outside the U.S., I went to Canada, and I was using my debit card. It's U.S. based, but I was spending Canadian dollars. 
but I didn't have to add up anything. I didn't have to say, oh, I need, I'm, I, I didn't have to say, oh, you know, uh, I'm going to spend a Satoshi on some, uh, on, on, a, on a muffin. Like, no one does that. Like, that's not logical thinking, right? So that's why I get kind of frustrated when people are like, yeah, I got a Satoshi. I got a Satoshi. Like, I was in blockchain, and for the longest, I was like, what the fuck is a, a Satoshi? Like, I knew what it was, but it's just like the mind doesn't yeah. work like that and how we don't break down uh, money to a, a, a thousand Ten yeah. thousands. We yeah. don't. We don't, we don't do, do that. that. We don't. Humans don't do that. We break it down to like one cent. One cent. Yeah. We ain't gonna be like, man, just give me a half a penny, and I'm good. Like, who does that? Yeah, nobody. <laughs> you know, that. right? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, going through and kind of being this whole crypto craze. I mean, that was one of the biggest. I think that was one of the hugest things in our economy was that year yeah. and how much crazy things were going across the board. Everyone was dialed into their Instagram and to their, to their, like to their device because yeah. it was just that was that was like the similar to the flip of two thousand and eight crisis like that was the boom that was the comeback so so and yeah, and, and, yeah. and also too like I, I would hear this people say this and they're like you know this this last boom is the biggest transfer of wealth in in like history and I'm like no it's not yeah. <laughs> you know what was slavery. <laughs> <laughs> so again you if you don't really understand history of economics or just history period you know it just repeats itself right yeah. so when you look at like blockchain right now and cryptocurrencies it wasn't that many people of color who were taking advantage uh taking advantage able to take advantage of that opportunity now there were some there were some blacks I actually met a guy who was a miner he was, he was African and he mined some tokens and he forgot he had them and then when the price went up he was like straight I met him at a party and he actually was very humble about it. He didn't want to talk about it. How much did he make? I can't remember, but it was enough to where he really didn't have to work anymore. It was like in the millions. I I, I couldn't give you an exact number, but he was he was wow. he was cooling what we would call it. He was cool. <laughs> yeah, he was cool. He probably didn't want to say anything. He didn't. He, he didn't even want to tell me the story. Yeah. Uh, it was uh, somebody in between us that was like, "Yeah, this guy he found it." Da da da. He because he because a lot of the early miners, right? They would mine. And, and then, you know, because back then, when, when Bitcoin first came out, it, it wasn't even, it was barely a dollar. And then when it got to a dollar, and then it went up to like $1,400, and it fell again because of Mt. Gox um, hack or whatever. So a lot of people had Bitcoin, but they had it like stashed away on a computer. Like there's one story of a guy who supposedly threw away like a couple tens of million dollars of Bitcoin. What? Because his girlfriend told him the, the, the miner was making too much too much noise. Um, and I actually, no, no, he didn't have a miner. He just had like a regular... PC or whatever. Are you serious? Yeah, I'm dead serious. Yeah, that, that's pretty common. That, that's pretty common. Wow. Um, but um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it just happened, you know. So. Wow. Yeah. Right. So all right. So I mean, if you think about it, right, we're we're at a time right now where, um, that's that is the we're at a stage of just not going back between crypto and blockchain. I look at the creatives to kind of bring us back to what art is and what music is and what song is. And everyone has their different forms of being. Right. Right? Like everyone has their beginning, middle, and end because we all go to sleep, we all wake up. And like, so as we're kind of moving conversations into that creative diagram, a lot of people that are on Empower that I know that I kind of try to 
circle around in my nucleus of people as we're all going up, I try to always align the creatives with each other as well. Because I'm a creative mm-hmm. in, in somewhat facet, right? So can you tell me a little bit about this tech trap house and like how what you're doing between technology and art and innovation and music kind of shows what we should be doing as a whole. Yeah, so when you you know, when you look at, you know, the, the world or the universe, right, there's like two two things that are constant, like two universal languages, right? Like math and music. Right. I don't care who you are, when you hear a good song, you're gonna bop your head or you're gonna like relax to it or whatever. And the same thing with math, you know. Math is the same everywhere. Uh, if you're not in half good math. I mean, there's different civilizations that were more advanced, but it's a whole another story. Um, so one of the things I found is that when I came here to to the, to, uh, to the Valley, there's a ton of meetups, there's a ton of event, event groups, and each one is effectively silent, right? So most events in the Bay are for techies. Um, so, you know, or, you know, like, uh, you know, there's this hiking affinity groups, there's you know, then you have here in the Bay, there's a strong indie music scene, but it's actually very fragmented because you have different types of music, you have different types of people, mm. um, and then you have the tech scene. The tech scene is it, it's also fragmented because you have traditional tech or anything that's over five years, and you have blockchain, um, and then you have AI, yeah. right? Um, so one of the things that I, that I really loved about when I came to the Bay is that there's just so many different groups. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm autodidactic. You know, I can do multiple things. And I like traveling between different worlds. And mm-hmm. um, it's not just me. That's how the average millennial is now. When you have all these, we have all these devices. I mean, we can pull up YouTube. We can pull up Facebook. We can yeah. pull up all this stuff. In one minute, we can be learning about, you know, AI or listening to this interview. And in the next minute, we can be finding the next party to go to. Yeah. And what I found is that if you want to onboard an underrepresented community or new people into a space that they've never been, the best way to do it is with a good time. Yeah. Right. You, you have music. Right. You, you bring music for you. Um, you have art or whatever. So, I a, a few months ago I started uh, Tech Trap House. Um, and, and before I go into how I started it, I want to talk about how the name actually of Tech Trap House came about. So. Where I live, we called it the Dodge Hacker House, basically because a bunch of guys in tech, most of them are uh, engineers or product managers or whatever. I'm like the only sales guy or marketing-oriented guy there. Um, and so when before I moved there, it's like the Dodge Hacker House. That was actually the name of the internet. And uh, when we went downstairs, there was another place in our building where we hang out at. So it was me, you know, I'm obviously African-American, my Nigerian friend who was there, uh, Kinsley, uh, another friend who's Indian, Zad, uh, uh, another friend who's Palestinian, uh, another one who's Syrian. So we're all just sitting down there just relaxing. You actually stayed down there one time, slept on the couch or whatever. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. That was that was the trap house. That was that was the original trap house. Really, where the name came from. Yeah. Wow. So you know me, you know I'm from I'm from the south, and you know, trap house. If you if you are black or if you you know, underrepresented, you know, underrepresented community, you know what a trap house is. So, you know, I'm there, I'm like, yeah, you know, this, this is a trap house, you know? And then Kinsley was like, no, nah, I didn't know trap house. You know, we got our max out. You know, this is a 
tech trap house. And that's, how, like, that's how okay. it came up. That's how that's how the name came to be, right? And I, yeah. I kind of want to break break that's that crazy. down, right? So that, you know, you know, a Mac is a gun. You know, it got the Mac Ten or whatever. But then you know, we don't have guns. We have Macs. We have computers. So you know, in in that moment, that actually came up. That that name was created two years uh, before we even. Um, before I even came up with the name uh, Tech Trap House, um, so that's in in, in in its creation, it was it's all about inclusion, right? It just wasn't me. It just wasn't a, a black a black thing. I, you know, my friends Indian. I have Syrian friends, Palestinian. So inherently, it was basically made to bring people together. So basically, to bring it up to this year, um, back in uh, early this year, my birthday happened, and I flew in one of my friends from my, one of my friends flew in from North Carolina. And he actually performed uh, Pooh, shout out to Pooh, old man Earl. He performed at my birthday party. Um, and he was actually blown away by the types of people that were there. He basically told me, he's like, Corey, you need to do this more often. I'm like, uh, whatever, you know, this is, yeah, you know, because like yeah, this is like whatever, because I've been here for three years. And, you know, the conversations we have, the different types of people we meet is our normal. Yeah. But if you're not from here, you're from like North Carolina. It's not like that. It's, it's, really? it's, it's not like that, no. Nah. So he was he was blown away. He's like, wow, all these people are intellectuals. They're having their own conversations. It's not any backbiting conversation about what you got, what I want. I don't like you because of this. It's more around like, man, how do we, you know, how, do, how do I learn how to code? Or, man, I'm trying to um, get a different. job. Like, who can you introduce me to? Or, it's about intelligence. How, how can I help you with your project? Yeah, intelligence. You know, it, yeah, intelligence, right? And so that's how it came. And I sat on it for a little bit. And then I went home, uh, and when I went home, when I went home, when I went home, I uh, just laid on my bed, and I'm like, man, what, what should I call it? Yeah. And then my internet connected to the Tech Trap House. Wow. And I said, that's what I'm going to call it. Yeah. I said, Tech Trap House. I, I got to. Um, because I wanted to create something that spoke to underrepresented communities, but yeah. also celebrated black culture. And I didn't see a lot of that here in the Bay, and I wanted to basically start that. So, um, so, actually, so that's how that's how it came to be. That's how it came to be. Yeah. That's crazy. That's a crazy story because I didn't even. Wow. Oh. Um, so it's basically that I didn't even know that's what it was. Yeah. Like, I think that. The fact that it started that way, I think about this, right? We've, I remember, you know, last year when I was coming up, right? You were coming up and we kind of put the pedal to the metal this year. You know, like we really put the pedal to the metal. I know we, we had the bump, we had a bumpy ride in the beginning. January was tough, February, March, right? It was up and down and then it's like, I don't have no choice but to succeed. So, no, no matter how great it get dark outside, and that's one of the one of the uh, my brother's death was a blessing and a curse because one of the things I learned, you know, I wish he was here with, with us today. I know he's still 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 with me, of course, still his spirit. But um, one thing I learned is that happiness is not a emotion; it's a decision. Exactly. Like I'm, I've decided to you know manifest and be here. Yeah. I've decided to be happy. Yeah. So if you messing up my happy zone, get out. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Like being happy is a is a frame of mind. It's a decision. It's not an emotion. Nope. It's not an emotion. Yeah. It's a decision. I want to be happy, so I'm gonna be happy. 
You know what makes me happy sometimes? Baking cookies and eating ice cream. So yeah. I'm going to bake me some cookies and <laughs> ice cream. <laughs> right? It's true. It's true. And I think a lot of people, I don't think they, they realize that. I think they, I think they keep on trying to, trying to be something that they no longer can be. We're at a point of extinction. Think about it. We're at a point of extinction. There are, that sounds scary, bro. It's, it's scary, but it's the truth. I mean, you got to look at you got to look at the data. You got to look at the data, and I think that if people, if we don't level up, if we don't level up, it's going to be tough. Yeah, I think that we have to get out of our comfort zone and learn quantum physics, right? Learn token economics. Get into the things that seem scary because um, I just read something the other day. I read a lot of papers and um, they're talking about how many jobs front, you know, one shot jobs are going to be eliminated, you know, like, so right now as the tide is rising up, I mean, but you got to think about it. They're talking about the bad. I don't see them promoting the good. I'm not. I'm not. I don't hear them promoting the fact that we created two hundred thousand jobs. Like the fact that there that we've in two thousand and twenty we would have connected more people to our electrical power grid than ever before. You know that. Than ever before. So more people are going to be connected around country to country, continent to continent. Than ever in the in the in the entire world, mm. they are lighting up this world, mm. not the country. They're lighting up the world. Like mm. the fact that people are going to be have the ability to send transaction to transaction from one person to another person that's on the other side of the, is complete paramount. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, being in San Francisco and. Being a, you know a person of color and being in such a high space, like you know these things, you know a yeah. lot more than seventy percent of the teachers in this country. I'm pretty sure of it. I, here's the thing, though, too, though, like, like there's there's this you know. Not, sorry to cut you off, but there's this like preconceived notion that if you live in the valley, people live in the valley are smarter than everybody else. That's not true. Um, cost of living is high, so it forces people out here to take. Bigger risk. Bigger now, risk. the great thing is, from my standpoint, when I go back home, it'll be a lot easier for me to get a job. But mm-hmm. before I moved here, people weren't really trying to give me the opportunity that I wanted. Oh. But if I go back home, you know, like, I, I case in point, uh, there's a, so I work for a company called Mixmax, uh, Gmail extension tool. So I reached out to this guy who interviewed me before I moved out here. Um, he's the CRO of this particular company. Um, and I sent him, I sent him a, 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 a gift or whatever, not an actual gift in the email, but like I think I, I sent him a UNC backpack because he went to UNC. Oh wow! And the first thing, so he, wait, hold on, you sent him this? Yeah, I sent, sent him this, this to the recruiter or to the company. No, I sent this to the the chief revenue officer of this company to get his attention. Wow. Yeah, that's a pretty. Yeah. I mean, that's a pretty like. It's a part of it's a part of like our, our sales process. We're like just trying to uh, wow. stuff out, and it's actually working. And the first thing he said was, like, wow, you're in the valley. We lost one. 
Of course you did. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm here in the valley. So that's the that's the funny thing about it wow. is that the valley has such a cachet to where if you come here and make it, the people back home or where you from wow. are automatically be like, Man, we missed it. Like I was there my whole life. Of course you missed, missed it. it. Wow. You know? Wow. And then, you know, I, I one of my favorite rappers says that I can't think of his name, but it's not where you're from, it's where you're at at mm-hmm. the end of the day. You know what I'm saying? But Again, if you want to, I know I want to be happy, right? And when I first started, when I first got into tech, one of the things I noticed is that, particularly in Raleigh, Durham, and this is, I think this is the same for any other tech hub around the world, they all want to be like the Valley. So why am I going to try to, you know, uh, I'm playing baseball as an example, right? Why am I going to struggle to hit first base, right? I'm struggling to hit first base in Raleigh, Durham. Why not I put forth that same energy to hit a home run in the Valley? Right. right. So now, you know that's why I, that's, that, and that's why I moved here. And and, and you know financially it was like the worst decision I made. Yeah, but yeah. It's, it's things have gotten a lot better now because I've been here three years. But um, you know it's, it goes back to my point earlier, right? You got to manifest what you want. Yeah. You know. Yeah. You know the future and today and the past is all the same. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like if I wouldn't have done what I did three years ago in the past, I would not be here now. Of course. No, we wouldn't have met. We wouldn't have talked. Yeah. Right? Like, think about all that. I think about that as well. And your, and your pops didn't want me to move here. See? Your pops didn't want, want me to move here. I know. And then who was the first person he called when you found out? And, and, and that was in God's plan. No pun intended, exactly. right? But that was in God's plan. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. I felt like God put me in that coffee shop at BU Cafe to yeah. meet your pops. And I wanted your pops be taught. I was like, be you know, I want you to be my mentor. Didn't really know what I was asking, but I knew your your pops was like that yeah. thorough and that real. Yeah. And I think the purpose of me and him meeting was to help you get here. I think that was the higher purpose behind Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and you know, it goes back to because it's always in, like we talk about nodes. You might never see my dad again, but you see. I will. I check in when I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. But I'm saying yeah. you might never see my dad again. But the connection that we've made, that's not going to happen. Yeah. And we're the same age. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You think about it, right? Like, yeah. that's what you talk about just when people circle around, circle around divine. Like, the, like, things that are just completely out of our hands. Mm-hmm. You can't do anything about it. That is something that I talk about in my book mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. called The Goal Velocity Function, mm-hmm. where it adds in luck. You just can't account for that. And because I could have still stayed, and you create your own luck. Exactly. I, I think we. I think we. And this is just in general. We have. Um, I don't know if this is a word. The misdefinition of luck is that it just falls in your lap. But I, when I was in college, um, one of my professors talked about the will of fortune, and like it's like terror. He was yeah. talking about terror cause or whatever. He didn't call it out specifically, but there's an actual tarot card that I think it's called Will of Fortune or whatever, not mm-hmm. the game show. But as you do different things, you put yourself in, op- in in places to increase your luck. Exactly. You know, so like, so you know, right. what you're doing, right? You got a podcast, you got your own, you know, your own company, right? You're networking, you, you, you go into LA, you go into these networking events. All of these little things you're doing, those are many wheels of fortune that add to a bigger wheel of fortune mm. that just multiply your luck. Mm. 
right? So you know, yeah. not, you know, obviously moving here. That's why when people come to me about stuff like Corey, how about you do this? How about you do that? Like I had a talk with with a friend of mine, and we were talking about, you know, she gave me the idea of, you know, I should contact and reach out to different uh, employee resource groups to get them to get behind tech trap house. And I'm like, you know, I was like, here, here's what it is. I was like, certain people just aren't going to mess with you until certain people mess with you. Mm-hmm. So the only thing I can do is keep doing what I'm doing with the tech trap house, keep promoting it because, you, it, gotta, it, it, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, it, you got to sometimes just move. Yeah, you, you, know, just, you just you have, have to move. move. And I'm not waiting. I'm not, I didn't create the tech trap house. Or anything I'm doing just to wait for somebody to co-sign it. I'm, exactly. I'm co-signing myself. Exactly. Like, oh, you think this is cool? Come. Great. That's yeah. cool. But I, I've been to it was cool. Like, our, our second event, Hannibal Burry showed up. Mm-hmm. Hannibal Burry showed up. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, and that was, to me, that was like an a, a outward confirmation that I was on the right path. I knew I was on the right path with it, me, me and yeah. my co-organizers when we started it. Um, and then Asana retweeted us. Um, yeah. at our uh, fourth event um, that ended up being our biggest seller. Um, the, the speaker that we have coming up, her name is Shamika Abraham, beautiful, beautiful black woman. And she basically talks is going to talk about how she overcame her parents' drug addiction to wow. break into tech and the cybersecurity. And she doesn't come from a cybersecurity background. Wow. Crazy, right? Wow. Um, That's going to be real powerful. Yeah, and Twilio just retweeted us, retweeted our event. Wow. You know, so, like, I, you know, if I, if I would have been like, you know, I'm not starting tech trap outs until I until people show me love. Like, no, I'm showing myself love exactly. first. I'm showing yeah. it love first. Yeah. And you know, to talk more about tech trap house, just to kind of give you guys like a the, the overall vision of it. But the goal of it is to bridge the the gap between underrepresented communities in the tech industry using gaming, music, and arts. Yeah. Right. So a lot of people say, "Oh, it's a party." Like, nah, it's not a party. Because when you go to party, you just go to have yeah, fun yeah. without a purpose. Without a purpose. You know. Yeah. I don't. I stray away from calling Tech Trap House a, a, a party because it's it's not a party. It's an event with the goal of bridging underrepresented communities with the tech industry. Yeah, and you know helping to helping these tech companies source uh, more diverse talent mm. because at the end of the day, these tech companies are created by the majority in most in, in most cases. Um, and I actually don't like the word diversity because diversity. Uh, to me, it's just like uh, inviting someone to your house, right? But inclusion is actually opening the door, letting them in, mm-hmm. and actually letting them sleep on the bed, mm-hmm. giving them clothes on their back. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of these companies, organizations, miss that gap. So with Tech Trap House, our goal is to actually literally make tech more inclusive. Diversity is a mute statement. I don't really care about diversity. I care more about inclusion. Um, because you can bring and you can attract uh, underrepresented people, but are you creating an environment to where... They feel welcome. Well, right. All right. And I mean, so as we're kind of like wrapping things up, I mean, how can people get involved with the Tech Trap House? I mean, sponsorship, I mean, partnerships, What what's next? What, what can people do? Yeah, so our whole thing is we want to add value to the community, right? So one of the best ways that, that people can get involved, like if you know um, any small uh, businesses from uh, entrepreneurs from uh, underrepresented communities or whatever, like maybe you know someone who's making a, a, a natural hair care product. Okay. Um, gosh, I'm blanking on her name, uh, but she's a young lady named Jasmine. She's from um, she's from Berkeley, 
and she creates hair products out of avocado. Never never seen this before. Wow. But, you know, black girl magic. Wow. Um, wow. But yeah, she'll, she's going to be there. Um, and then our whole thing, again, is to bring these different communities together. So at our event, we have people who love to paint. We have what's called hip and paint, which is sip and paint with a hip hop twist. Um, and then we have indie artists come out and perform who are from the Bay. So we have 1AM, she's performing at the next one. Wow. Um, and uh, another uh, rapper, gosh, I'm just blanking on his name. It's been a long day. Um, <laughs> Najee, he's rapping. Um, our DJ, he's from he's from the Bay too, DJ Baldy. Um, you know, our whole thing is we want to support small local businesses, small local entrepreneurs coming up, but then also help people who are who want to break into the tech industry get in. Yeah. Right. The the the, the whole purpose of a trap house was to help people make money. Yeah. That was the original goal of it. It's just that it destroyed these black Hispanic communities mm. through drugs. Yeah. But if you were to take a, tech, a, a, a trap house and you reimagine it, right, in today's time, it would be a tech trap house. Wow. And my whole thing is, you know, millennials, right, we, we basically take what baby boomers and other generations yeah. look down upon, we make it beautiful. Yeah. You know, it's like a rose from country. Uh, like a rose from country. Shouts out to Tupac. Um, and that, that's basically what, what we're doing. So if you want to get involved, you know, the biggest thing is like share, you know, retweet us, share, share what we're doing. You know, we're actively looking for sponsors. Um, but I want to be careful how I say this. We don't, we want sponsors, but we more importantly need people who understand the vision of what we're doing. Yeah. Right. So, um, yeah, I was talking to a friend of mine, she was giving me advice and she said, well, um, you know, some people may find the name offensive, you know, and I'm like, well, if they find it offensive, they're, they're, are they really for inclusion? Mm. Right. Like who in their right mind is going to start a company called Tech Trap House to sell drugs? Like I'm not saying that she was alluding to that, yeah, but, but, you know, the, the, the quote unquote it, it, connotation of it. Yeah, like, you yeah, know what I'm saying? So yeah. we created the event in the name of it to speak to a specific type of person, um, people. So the goal Again, you know, we're, we're actively looking for sponsors, but we really just want people who believe in the vision of what we're trying to create and who can add value and who we can help add value to. Because at the end of the day, you know, I didn't create it for myself just to be, to make myself cool. I don't really care about being cool. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I created it to create a, a, a community and an ecosystem to actually help people who are underrepresented get inside of tech or find whatever their way is. Wow. So if it's an indie artist, maybe they want to break their record. Yeah. You know, like Jasmine, maybe she wants to find um, uh, a new distributor. You yeah. know, long term, ideally, we, will, yeah. we want to be able to that, that jump off point where, you know, I use an example of the Dungeon Family. Wow. You know, if you guys know about the Dungeon Family, it's, it's basically a, a hip-hop collective group that came out of Atlanta. Um, Outkast came out of that group, Goody Mob. And it was literally in a house and they called it the dungeon because it was dirty down there. And Future was actually in the dungeon family too. He was like a teenager. So like long term, what I see, see people saying like, man, how'd you get in? Like tech trap house. Mm -hmm. Like if you, if you draw an infographic, yeah. right? 10 years later of just various people who are doing their thing in tech or in indie music or whatever, yeah. right? Or um, natural care products or whatever. They're all will be connected to the tech trap house. Got it. 
and not for the tech trap house sake, but for the community sake. For the community. For the community sake. Yeah. So I mean, I think that's a it's a great way to end it. I mean, I will put all of your information down below. Um, a little, I think about this um, throughout time. We have seen a change in dynamics, and I'm really excited the fact that we are headed up that wave right now. Yeah, I think that I mean, we, we've entered a new a new time period. You know, we, we're, we, we're, yeah. we've I'm, I'm gonna get a little little extra, uh, talk about astrology a little bit, but the Mayan calendar ended what 2012, um, and we've exited the Pisidian the Pisidian phase. Mm. And these different phases last for a thousand years. So mm. now, now we're in the, uh, I think it's the Aries, Aryan phase or whatever. Wow. Um, and one of the hallmarks of, of this new thousand years that we're in is, is more openness, right? So a great example of this is the Me Too movement, mm. right? Where you see literally the dirtiness of the world is being flipped up on its head and people are being shamed. I'm not going to go into depth about all the stuff that's happening, yeah. but, um, you know, women are becoming more uh, prominent. They're getting more um, power. They're getting more, you know, this is like the mark of the new era that we're actually in. Um, but you're only going to be able to see these things and take advantage of them if you open yourself up to them. Oh, Because wow. if, you, if you're not, if you, if you, if you still wow. got that old mindset, typically you probably are still in the Pisidian phase. Wow. You know? That is big. Yeah. That's big. So... So tech trap house, man, you know, we yeah. in a new phase, baby. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's how we can get on this, okay? I mean, like, to be able to break that down that way is really great. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, that's that's why you see so many changes. So thanks again. Thank you for coming. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Um, I'll put all of your information down below. Yeah. So YouTube channel. I got to cut you off on this one. Up. So if you want to, you, y'all got to go follow the Tech Trap House. Oh, we're yeah, we're basically all online. So Facebook and uh, Twitter, you can follow us, follow us at Tech Trap House. On Instagram, it's Real Tech Trap House. Somebody beat us to the punch, but you know, we the real one. We the real Tech Trap House. If you want to <laughs> go to our website, it's techtrap.house. I'm going to repeat that. Because we're doing it a lot differently. We we ain't go after no dot com. That's what people did when tech first started. Nah. Our website is techtrap.house. All right, now you can pub your stuff. No, I was no. I was you could have I'm happy you did that actually. You're good. You're good. So uh we'll be looking to to shoot out some information about the practical AI meetup. Go to www.cody.ai. Email me at Michael at Cody.ai and we are out. We out. Follow this man. He he up next. <laughs>